0: Hello, and welcome to the Talk to the Internet podcast, featuring Lawrence Sontag, Bruce Green, and Kriken Crikes.
1: That's his uh, last name. Criken Crikes. <laughs> oh, Crikey. Sorry, Kenan. I didn't like that. Can we re- can no? reset? Okay, sure. Let's do it again.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I should have asked you, what What would you like to be introduced as?
1: and uh, Crikes. Okay, got it. <clears throat> All right. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lawrence.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Talk to the Internet podcast with Lawrence Sontag, Bruce Green, and Duda Poopyhead Crikey Crikes. Was that what you wanted, Kraken Is that a good one? Good take? No. Take take two? We're not doing take two. All
1: right. This Uh. is a dumb bit. Can we move on to the actual podcast?
0: (laughs) Aw. Okay, fine. Uh, We can move
2: on to the actual podcast. Little did you know, we're in the podcast right now. Whoa. I know. This whole time? The whole time. (laughs) Your whole life is a podcast. I don't
1: know if you know that. It pretty much is at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically a podcast. Time I spend online.
0: Yep. Thank you guys for coming together to make some, some content. Lord knows this internet of ours is, it's just thirsting for more content. There's <laughs> <laughs> three, is three dudes getting together to talk about video games called a content. No, it's called a podcast, right? That's what we're doing. It's called a podcast.
2: <laughs> is this number 51, 52, something like that? I'd I think have to check done, my folders. <laughs> yeah, like I think, fi- think we've done fifty-one or fifty-two. We hit number fifty. We didn't even talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Last I think last
0: one was number fifty, which I came, which yeah, I yeah, yeah, I came to understand when I named the folder fifty, and I was like,
1: oh. Well, that's also kind of how cool I think we are is that we're like so <laughs> understated about, you know, the stuff we do. Like we don't draw attention to it because we don't need to. You know. You know, there's
2: a rule that when you call yourself cool, you're no longer cool. You know that? Well, technically, I said
1: we so i took you guys down with me <laughs> oh shit um,
0: <laughs> so
1: if you feel that way then then we're all in this together ah balls
2: you got me <laughs> you bring up an interesting topic though kriken of,
0: of being too cool to celebrate uh arbitrary things um i think i always think about it like birthdays some people i think go through phases where they're like i don't even want to care about my birthday i don't care it's just another number who cares Uh, and then like, I think in a weird, some people resent people who still celebrate their birthdays thinking it's childish. I don't know. Where do you guys land on that? Is a, is a birthday. How do you guys think about your birthdays? How do you celebrate them? Or do you celebrate them?
1: Um, well, first of all, I don't concern myself what other people do pretty much at any point. Um, (laughs) if they want to celebrate the birthday, that's great. If they don't, I don't really care, (laughs) but for myself personally, uh, I liked, I mean, I usually hang out with friends for my birthday and then feel a little bit sad about being older, but that's just kind of my tradition as mm. I think it is for most people.
0: Do you take the, like, do you take the day off? Do you, mm, you say you're like, okay.
1: Do you, I, I make people be nicer to me though. That is, I, I play the <laughs> birthday card as many times as I can because it's the one day of the year you can and, uh people have to <laughs> so do it. I take advantage of that
0: you yeah. got to be a you got to be a balls out monster to just deny somebody a simple request on their birthday
1: yeah how
0: about you bruce how do you how do you get down with your birthday do you like kriken said do you do you leverage social pressure to make everybody do exactly what you want all
2: day no i don't like to uh, much like my f- philosophy is i think with everything in life including my content and movies and television and music I want people to discover my birthday on their own, <laughs> so I don't want to tell people it's my birthday. I want them to be like, "Holy shit, it's your birthday!" and then and then be like, "Oh my gosh, we gotta throw a surprise party!" or "Oh my gosh, like I'll take you out for a drink," or you know, "Oh, I sent you a ten dollars Chipotle gift card," or whatever. Um, and I'm like, "Wow, thank you," because they cared enough to look. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way I think about it. Uh, however, I have started doing a, I'm glad you brought this up, Lawrence, because I've started doing a morbid tradition in my head of recounting what has happened on my birthdays over the last like 10 to 15 years. Hmm. So what I'll do is I'll think about where I was and what I did on my birthday. And a lot of them are like fantastic memories, right? But there are some. There was one, what was it, 2014? It was 2014. uh, I was at a super bad place. And I remember spending my birthday alone at like the top of a hill. Like I had hiked, I had done a hike or something. And I was standing there being like, wow, this really sucks. (laughs) And I look back on that one and go, ah, fuck, that was a bad birthday. Um, But I also try and take the good with the bad, of course. So then like, I remember my 30th birthday being really really fun. Um that was a, that was a real pleasure. Uh there was let's see here was it last year or the year before? Autumn took me to Disneyland and that was fantastic. Um So yeah, so I, I don't know. It, it's uh and as you get older, unfortunately, I'm turning 40 this year. Ooh, wait. I, yeah, for I Real didn't... Bruce. <laughs> yeah for real no way
0: i thought you were like
2: <laughs> yeah. i thought you were like no 35 tops no i i am turning 40 uh in just a few months actually um gosh this i know and i know I, it's the it's uh diamond and I, and skin. So, so when you hit those when you hit those milestones you've got to you have you, you just start thinking about what happened in the last 10 years 20 years whatever that's just what you do um but like Crike had said i really try not to because I, I know he feels sad. I try not to feel sad about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to, you know, like take stock of what I have, uh, yeah. how blessed I am now, um, and uh, and like Lauren said, like I'm I feel very very lucky that I still look like a little boy. So <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take. I mean, obviously yes, I've aged, but the
0: face of um, an innocent boy, but the god, the body of a Greek <laughs> god. It's the perfect <laughs> combination. Well said. Well said. Uh, <laughs>
1: I, Perfect I just, combination. I, just I, I know
2: right the worst combination um so uh I just I just like to you know like I like to take stock of that stuff so uh so this year and much like 30 when I turned 30 I didn't feel old 30 was not the one that I felt old. 31 was when I felt old mm. and so I imagine 40 will be the same 40 will be like ah whatever and then 41 will be like fuck so um so yeah uh it's is a, an interesting thing you brought up, Lawrence, because it's it's been on my mind a little bit.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah. I imagine, yeah, at the at the 40 that it would certainly be. I'm Ooh. I'm still telling myself that I'm it's weird. I tell I'm 37 right now, but I tell myself since I'm on actually I think I'm on the last half of 37, so I'm officially in like the last quarter of my 30s. Mm-hmm. But somehow being in the first half of the second half. Made it feel like the, the 30s weren't really gone yet. But I think they are, which is crazy. Um, man, you want to talk Bruce sad birthdays. I think my 2014 birthday was the saddest. So really? We were sad at the same time. Well, same birthday, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was when I turned 30 and I had just moved out to L.A., just gotten out oh, of the yeah. a, a marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody knew or cared that it was my birthday in L.A. And I didn't really, like, I wasn't even really in a headspace to go anywhere. So, I just remember when I turned 30, I was just sitting in my apartment alone, I think just getting drunk and watching internet videos, and just being like, yep, this is it. Okay, sure, whatever. Um, <laughs> I was like, this is what I deserve right now. Uh, but, I mean, it was, in a weird way, it was good, because I was, I was sort of relearning how to have fun with myself, uh, I guess in multiple ways. Um, but... <laughs> God. The emotional way—it's <laughs> hard, Craig, and it's hard out there. Um, the emotional <laughs> in, in way there, was, apparently. yeah, just just doing the things that I wanted to do and being very impulsive. Uh, so that was nice because that's pretty much all what I wanted—is to just get smashed and, and not have to worry about. I guess the thing about birthdays that can sometimes be annoying is that <sighs> I guess any time that that a, in a social situation that that the attention is sort of thrown off, people get a little weird, and. I don't know. Hmm. I never really liked I guess I've had so many circumstances in both my youth and in my adult life of of trying to do what I want and having people go along with it out of obligation and then complaining about it while they're doing it. Um that it, that has happened to me so much that I'm just like fine. I don't want to deal with it. It's my birthday. I shouldn't have to deal with people getting snippy and and selfish. That's true. You uh, shouldn't. So no, you shouldn't. I'll, I'll just go do my own thing, which kind of yeah. uh <laughs> is is what led to me embracing getting drunk alone while the sun was out uh when i turned 30. <laughs> birthday's have gotten a lot better since mostly because Good. uh games done quick always runs during my birthday so That's i view it as can't. a birthday treat to myself to sit inside and do absolutely nothing and just watch <laughs> the the world's paragon nerds show up and like flex for me it's like a it's like i get to walk through a garden of giant brains that are just pulsating with gamer energy and that's that's what really warms my soul these days. It's a it's a little birthday. That's a treat beautiful
1: to me description year. of games done quick, <laughs> yeah. <A> garden of <laughs> pulsating gamer brains.
2: <laughs> Lawrence, you gotta you gotta go and attend it one year. I should, yeah, maybe.
0: Um, I think they might be doing it in person. Uh, next next yeah, maybe year, next, hopefully next winter. But yeah, I would very yeah. much love to. Um, the when I had the freedom to do something like that, basically when I la- left my last job, that's kind of when quarantine slammed. So. There's a lot of there's a lot of going out and living life that I have yet to do, but I'm getting
1: there. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. This uh I just got my second vaccine last week. Oh, nice. Um, and went out to a movie with college friends for the first time in like a year and a half on Sunday. Um and that was like a whole experience where I like didn't feel like I should be and then like once I was kind of settled in like we had like, you know, the rhythm going, then I felt super uh nostalgic and kind of relaxed and like comfortable um so yeah I, I i feel like slowly i'm getting more used to the idea of doing stuff again like i i went out for food and lay in the grass at like a park last week too and that was that like nice yeah. not a thing that i would normally do but <laughs> after being inside for essentially a year i was like you know what i gotta break down those barriers again what uh, what movies did you see uh cruella Ah yes, I've seen it. <laughs> you have seen it. Okay, what are your thoughts? Because I, I have thoughts too. Uh,
2: Lawrence, have you seen it? I have. Oh, Paul, terrific! How do how do we all
1: how do we all uh, see Corella? It's <laughs> separate I, uh, occasions.
2: I uh, Autumn wanted us because I was like I was like like Kraken, much like Kraken. I was like I need to do anything out of the house literally right now, and I was like I will see, I'll see any movie. And Autumn was like, let's go see Corella. And I was like, you got it because I didn't want to see it, but I was like, fuck it. Um. And it was fine. I, I, I actually thought it was really fun to look at, like in terms of the fashion yeah. and the sets. It was and, really pretty. Yeah, the production design was so cool. The movie itself didn't make any sense, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> at least for me. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's really fun to look at. And Emma Stone did a fantastic job. I thought the actors did a really good job. I just thought it was written poorly and the plot yeah. didn't make any sense. Yeah. So
1: It was written very weirdly um weirdly long too it's like two hours and 15 minutes it is it's very long Um, (laughs) I feel like they could have cut out a whole one of like a whole iteration of the of the plot and it would have probably been a lot more concise but um I yeah I thought it was fun for a lot of the same reasons like the it was much like it was really pretty um the jokes were pretty good they were like like whenever it was like being kind of hammy and like tongue-in-cheek I thought the jokes landed pretty well yeah um so, I agree. yeah, in general, I I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, Lawrence, what do you think?
0: I, I liked it. Um, the thing that, that kept occurring to me uh, outside of a few scenes is that it didn't necessarily, you know, have to be a 101 Dalmatians movie or related to that at all, which to me, to me, I don't know. This is where my head goes. I'm like, oh, okay. So they wanted to make a movie about fashion, but you can't just release a movie that's not connected to a IP. brand. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they, totally. they tied it to that. And then my head went to, why why is everyone being so, like, it's just that internet dunk phenomenon that I'm just getting so sick of. So, yeah, that clip made the rounds of, like, Dalmatians killing Cruella's mom. And if you don't watch the movie, then that seems like the shittiest writing in the world. Uh, but that's not really her motivations in becoming a villain or lashing out against that character. Um, I mean, they kind yeah, she, of are, She but. gets
1: over about that that part pretty quick yeah pretty quick is like a plot point
0: so Um, i don't know the 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 hot takes i i guess i'm just getting so so tired of hot takes because i wish i could just watch a movie without those things worming their way into my brain because once i had seen it i was like oh yeah everybody was just in a rush to like dunk on this movie i guess even though it does have merit in terms of its like acting performances, the individual lines can be dropped really well. Uh, the performers are really good. The, the set designs are outstanding. And I think there's a yeah, lot, tons yeah. of imagination in the big fashion set pieces they do. Um, and man, what a shame to just like dismiss a movie because you see a clip and you want to feel intellectually superior. I don't know what causes that phenomenon, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I had a good time watching it. And that's more than I can say for a lot of movies uh, that I see. yeah Yeah.
1: i mean i hadn't seen that clip obviously when i went to see it i hadn't Um, either yeah and so when it happened the whole theater burst into laughter which was great because that's what it felt like it it was supposed to be a funny moment yeah almost like a tongue-in-cheek like oh (laughs) okay this is how we're getting to the corella plot um and like yeah the rest was fine after that basically it's like a two-hour heist movie where they just kept doing heists and Mm -hmm. and with like pretty clothes and looking for a new reason to have pretty clothes on screen again um which i was fine with i
2: remember uh coming home from that being like i gotta look up a bunch of internet theories as to how this movie ties in 201 dalmatians because it makes no sense at it the doesn't make film. any sense in that they, and i was like <sighs> i don't know how the fuck this went from because unless it was a retcon unless they retconned well, the whole thing
1: okay so i I stuck around for some reason after the initial credits, uh, and there was <laughs> an end credit scene. Oh, there was. Um, what was it that ties it in to the Hundred One Dalmatians a little bit? How, I mean, the How characters are. It, sorry.
0: It, sorry, go yeah. ahead.
1: Yeah, the, the characters from Hundred One Dalmatians are in it. Uh, I didn't realize that until afterwards because, like, I obviously have not thought about Hundred One Dalmatians in like <laughs> over a decade. So, why would I remember their names? <laughs> but. Uh, they're they have like seeded the characters from that movie in this that's right movie um and then at the end uh they have God I forget what scene is the actual end but they have uh the a puppy from the Dalmatian that killed her mom uh the puppies that they have are gifted to each of the uh the characters from 101 Dalmatians which then that's become... Right, yeah uh you know the the massive breeder factory that spits out a 100 fucking dalmatians so but then that like brings up the question of like so she's trying to kill yeah why is she mad at- of these dogs why is she mad at them do we she- know why
0: she was just trying to make a coat
1: but like they they address that multiple times in a tongue in tongue-in-cheek way in the movie and she's like and she keeps saying nah, nah, nah i wouldn't do that nah but then like that happens and so you're like
0: well she got older yeah. and meaner.
1: <laughs> sure. Okay, we'll we'll go with that. She so, got older, well, so, so so Lawrence, she's I, a villain. Does that not work? I don't know. Yeah.
2: I, <laughs> no, Lawrence. I actually buy into what Lawrence said for sure. However, that makes me then hate her more. So in the movie, I uh, yeah, no. So like, so then I have no one to root for because there's two mm. villains.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was a, the, the trouble they had as writers. I think you could tell, like they're yeah. walking that fine line of like she's got to be a villain, but like we want her to be relatable. It's you know she's got like a heart of gold, but it's like, yeah, it's anti-hero, uh, but she's, fair, she's overcoming the, the angst that is like natural to her or something like that, you know? So.
2: Yeah. Cause uh, Emma Thompson, is that, that's her name, right? Emma Thompson. She's the, she was great. She's terrific mm-hmm. in it, okay. um, but also a terrible person. And then uh, <laughs> Emma stone is great, but also apparently a terrible person that wants to kill a hundred dogs. So I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> like, I guess I like Jasper. <laughs> you know, like, I uh, guess I like jazz. I mean, the henchmen were <laughs> the movie <laughs> were really cool. The henchmen were great. They I were, yeah, henchmen. Yeah. yeah, No, the, hench- the he- they were they were terrific. The they were easily the highlight of the movie for me. Hmm. Um at least in wanting something good to happen somewhere. <laughs> um like I said, Emma Stone does a fantastic job with very little. Uh I was really, really impressed with the acting in this film. So. Mm-hmm. I think it I hits on an interesting topic that relates to us though um Ooh, yeah
1: right. uh
0: so okay so we are we are all of us content creators um that's mm-hmm. right except we we live in an age where uh like we have we have technologically based tools that are available to us to allow to allow us to bring our creations directly to the market mm-hmm. um the you know the the film cruella takes place in like 60s london or yeah 60s 70s london where if you want to get into fashion you kind of have to go through the system you know you have to you have to give your work away to somebody else who's established that will then take it for themselves and make it their brand, mm-hmm. um, and that's just what you have to do uh, because mm-hmm. people that have tenured themselves into the system can can wield that kind of power. Um, so I feel like, uh, and Bruce, I'd actually love to to hear your thoughts on this, having gone through radio and TV and stuff like that. Um, something did kind of strike me where uh, where I'm where I'm at now. Um, I am working with other you know contract editors and stuff. They're doing work for me that I pay them for, but then I put it up on my channel and it goes to build my brand. Um, and I try my best to credit where I can and make sure that people's work is visible for the people who are looking for it. But that's essentially the, the state of things. So it made, me, it made me think a lot about creative fields that then become businesses and the generational turnaround that happens and how the young people that come in typically have to give away their best ideas and their best work just because the system is structured in such a way that that's the cost of entry. So I don't know, what are, you, what are your guys'
2: thoughts on that?
1: Mm. Um, that's,
2: that's a good question, sorry, go ahead Kraken.
1: I'll start because I know Bruce probably has more insight, so I'll get mine out of the way first. That's um, not
2: true, Kraken's been, a, you've been a content creator for like 15 years, man. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, but you you have experience in other creative fields that have, <laughs> you know, more relevance, I guess, to this, this flip. Um, from my experience, I started making content when I was 14, um, doing my own thing on my own channel, so I always was original, but in my eyes, to break out, I needed to partner with someone like Machinima in which I then uh, would, they were like deals where you would send them your video. It would go up on their channel. You'd be credited and all that, but like basically they get all the views and you know, it was viral on their channel. But you reach a larger audience because of that. And that was some of the first times that I hit the big view counts was doing that but then the big difference was I brought all that stuff back to my channel and reinforced it there as opposed to living exclusively on mm-hmm. Um So, and then from there I've pretty much only been kind of my own brand. Um, so, yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts on um, the, like, the, uh, what's the word? The likelihood of that working out because at this point it's so easy to start your own brand but not but very very hard to rise above the the noise mm, um yeah. so it's it's almost like there's a different problem that has come up now where what you're describing Lawrence is now a problem again but it's not from lack of access it's from lack of uh you know uh wave elevating right mm.
0: So yeah. too much access everyone yeah, yeah everyone exactly. can put their shirts on the display of the store now so how's how are people going to know what to look at huh. exactly
2: yeah that's that's uh it's interesting to hear your your side of it Craig, because i think lawrence and i are both we more we came up in the traditional side of it where we worked for businesses and they paid us for our time and then and if we had an idea or whatever they just took it and mm-hmm. we would make it there um and but it would it would go to help the company succeed, and my uh, my best example of this is something that still people don't know and people still ask me, which is every dollar we made on any Funhouse video or Inside Gaming video went to Rooster Teeth or Machinima, respectively. So we got paychecks every two weeks, but they were standard. You know, they were they were rates that we negotiated, so it didn't matter if Funhouse made a hundred million dollars in a year. Or if it made a million dollars in a year, we still got the same paycheck. Um, and, uh, that was, by the way, I'm not, I'm not bitter about it. That's just the, that was the agreement I, I signed into because they give you benefits and they give you the safety of a, a job. And obviously there's the company culture and the building and the equipment and they pay for all that stuff. So, um, that was as I was, as now that I've been, gosh, man, I've been in the entertainment business since I was 18. So about 20 years. Um, That's the always, that's always been the thing that you were supposed to do. There is there's heavy gatekeeping at the front. So whether or not it was radio or television or now internet, uh, when it came to working for a large company, you had to apply and apply and apply or know somebody there or have a bunch of experience. And then when you came in, they wouldn't immediately be like, okay, go make a bunch of videos and put them on our channel. It was never that. It was always, it was exactly the opposite. It was like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna be here for a year. Uh, you're going to maybe make one video. We'll see what happens. We'll see what it looks like on our channel and if people like it. And then if you if you can make something that's good, whether or not it's a television segment or you're a DJ on the radio or you're making something for Machinima, uh, we will slowly give you chances to become a content creator. Well, on the other side of it, like Kreiken did uh, you could just go do it for yourself as much as you want on YouTube and Twitch. And of course you have to rise above the noise there when it comes to the other million content creators that are on the internet. And having said that, I would rather do it. Uh, I would rather fight through the noise on, uh, and, and basically get discovered on my own versus having to, you know, be relegated to a production assisted job, uh, at a television station for four years or whatever I did, so and I like and I basically just you just got to eat shit for a while, and it depends on where you want to eat shit, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, that's that's just kind of the way it works. It's it's obviously yes there are there are outliers there are exceptions to this rule, um, but for the most part, if you want to be a content creator uh, in any of these fields, then you're probably just gonna have to do it for a really long time. Um, and you're going to have to do it when you don't want to do it. You're going to have to do it when you've got one person watching, you're going to have to do it when, uh, you, you feel like there's nothing left that you can make. Um, that's just part of it. Uh, and I know that sounds kind of, uh, jaded, but it really is true. It's the same applies to everything. Hard work pays off. It really does. Um, and, uh, again, there are outliers. There are exceptions. People, people will go viral. And then all of a sudden they've got themselves like a huge channel. Um, but I, I think for so, the, I think our world really likes to look at the success stories and be like, wow, wow, they just hit it big. It's like, no, they've been doing this for 10 years. Like Mr. Beast is a great example of somebody who has like massive YouTube channel. The guy had been doing it for years and years and years. Ninja had been doing it for years and years and years long before Ninja became Ninja. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they, again, there are very, very few exceptions. Like you got discovered at a fucking donut shop and then somebody cast you, you know, as a star. But that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would rather fight through the <laughs> the noise of having to get discovered on a Twitch or a YouTube or whatever than have to go answer to a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing <laughs> at a well, large
1: company. <laughs> I think there's one other thing. That actually someone in, in your chat, Lawrence, uh, Captain Sarej, uh, brought up that is interesting to me. And I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, the idea of a, a consistent salary or guaranteed paycheck. <clears throat> uh, that's a thing I've never had. <laughs> I've literally, for my entire working life, never had a, a salary mm-hmm. um, for, like, more than, like, a one-off project, basically. Um, and, <clears throat> and so I'm curious because that I'm sure has had an effect on how I think about my work and my schedule and my stress levels and like a whole bunch of stuff. Um, And on the the plus side, I keep everything that I make. It's all merit-based. And like when I do well, I do really well. If I do poorly, you know, I feel it extra. But um, I'm curious if you guys have any insight on now that you're working you know, for yourselves, what the, that shift of mentality, the, the pros and cons that, have, that had come with it.
0: Lawrence, what do you think? Oh, I, I was thinking a lot, lot, lot about that, <clears throat> about, about compensation, basically. You know, in 2019, when I was, I was really playing a lot of mental tennis about, about whether to stay in a salary job or not. Um, yeah, the, 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 the steady income is theoretically a benefit of having a salary job. Um the uh, the problem is though the 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 illusion ultimately shattered for me when i realized that the second that what i'm working on doesn't generate revenue they're going to lay me off. Um mm-hmm. so they can man a company will pretend to be on your side. They'll That's pretend right. to have your back. But the second the second that a belt has to tighten they will cut you cut you loose. And an executive might squeeze out a tear or two um or, or they <laughs> might give you like a $10 Chipotle gift card on your way out the door. But they're there to make money, um, and no matter what they feel about it, once a co- company gets to a certain size, feelings don't matter. And it became very clear that feelings did not matter where I was. So I was like, well, I can't depend on that! So either, either I have to, like, it's always going to be the situation where I'm generating more wealth for the company than they're paying me. And the second that, like, I slip below that line, they're going to can my ass. And, and maybe I'll get, like, a month's severance or something. So that steady paycheck thing is kind of an illusion, at least in the United States. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in, like in Europe, it seems like it's much harder to fire people, but even then that doesn't like that, that like benefit doesn't really agree with how I work. Um, Mm -hmm. to me, salaries mean like it's all predictable. You have a steady workload. Uh, you go in, you do your job in a predictable way, and then you get the paycheck for that work. But I, I like volatile workloads and I like, I like working in bursts on projects, um, and it, yeah, kind of like, like Bruce said, I like owning the success or failure of what I do versus owning the failures and handing all the successes to somebody else, which is typically what a salary position is like. So that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. I also felt the sting of it the other way. Machinima, uh, I'm comfortable saying now, was horrible at paying contractors. I mean, Bruce, you know this. So I was, a. Uh, I don't mean to drag you into it if you wanted to avoid that, but.
2: Um, oh, I, no, are you kidding me? No, I'll talk about it all day.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I figured machinima is a ghost now, so it's okay to to, <laughs> yeah. to kind of shine a light in the past. Um,
2: yeah, let's do it. Let's
0: do it. Drag them. Uh, I mean, I was so I was a contract writer for machinima, and and before I get too much into my complaints, that's the job that let me go full contract, let me go full time freelance writing a million years ago. But they would go months without sending me checks for my work. Um, and it got to where Uh, I remember the exact day that I was walking to the like the mailbox in my apartment complex and thinking like this is the last day that that the check can be here Um, and it wasn't there and I I kicked the mailbox and I swore really loudly and I had to borrow money from a friend which is something that I hate doing but yeah I mean I was good for it I did the work but they just refused to pay on time Um, and it's interesting Bruce like you said you have to eat shit somewhere Um, to me that was my eating shit I could I could have created a huge problem I could have Tried to go mm, yeah. loud. I mean, I no one no one cared about me at the time. Um, but like that would have ended it. If if I had if I had tried to burn that bridge, who knows where I'd be now, and I probably wouldn't have the career and platform that I do. So to me, that's what Cruella to, to drag it all the way back, that's what it symbolizes. It was somebody who wasn't willing to eat that bowl of shit, and they basically threw away their career on a single moment of revenge, which is an mm. interesting and believable motivation, at least for me. <laughs> Given that I've been in that situation and sure would have it liked to set that person on fire, <laughs> it does,
2: right? Yeah, all life experiences intersect at Cruella. Well, the interesting thing that you're saying, Lawrence, too, is that that you are working there for a large company. So we what? Remember, we were just talking about how yeah, the safety right. of a large company. Mm-hmm. Well, they're and they're not paying you. Like, so that's the whole point of a large company is that they they have the capital, they have the cash to pay somebody um, in a timely manner, and they weren't yeah. even doing it. I mean,
1: I think it's a little bit different because the early new media internet company age was a wild west where shit was going on that like it was just growing faster than anyone was prepared for. And so the wrong people were running stuff in a lot of cases (laughs) and had no checks or balances because no one knew what to check or balance. Um, So like, yeah, I think that unfortunately was more common back then. you're being very, very nice, Kraken. Yeah, I hate. Kind. I
2: I hate that excuse um, because there are a bunch of millionaires basically not paying. Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not Lawrence. defending them.
1: No, I, um, know, I know, I know. I'm more saying that like that was unfortunately common back then. I think because oh, it was. of yes, the fact yes. that it was yes. yeah. it was a new time where there was no regulations or oversight. You know, there was no yeah. like, and then once these big companies got bought by the bigger like production companies, they're like. Oh shit! Like this is a disaster, and <laughs> yeah. then they've had to like move in and fuck everything up because, and then eventually they usually drop it because they're like, this was not sustainable to begin with. So yeah, yeah I do I got a lot of feelings about MCNs, but
2: yeah. I, I they're basically I saw, gone well, now, right? Mm-hmm. They're basically Yeah, they're basically gone. I, I actually just recently I <laughs> was talking with uh, APL Fisher, and he said he still had a Machinima contract that had just expired like a few months ago. <laughs> which which made me crack up he was like he's like i think i'm the last content creator with a machinima contract
1: (laughs) well (laughs) i guess i guess they didn't renew (laughs) i talked about this um actually a couple streams ago but the early machinima contracts the very first ones were the ones They're forever yeah the the indefinite ones in in Um, perpetuity is it was the the major phrase and i remember getting that at, at 15 years old and even at 15 years old, reading this contract, I'm like, this doesn't seem right. Like everything I understand about business tells me this is not how it's and supposed to be done. you were 15. I, love I was 15, and I like showed my dad, and he was like, "Hell no!" And he was like really pissed. It was like, <laughs> it's like Motown all
0: over again. It's great.
1: The actual yeah. line that I remember was uh, like, you know, time uh, of contract effectiveness, and it was like in perpetuity. And then it was like, location, the universe. Like, it literally was the same line. It was both of those were next to each other. And I was like, this feels this feels uncomfy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you were right, by the way. Because we yeah. got a lot of complaints. I mean, we were on the other side of that machinima. And I remember hearing over and over and over from the, all the partner managers being like, uh, they're all complaining about these contracts that say in perpetuity, which means forever. <laughs> like, that's not a real thing.
1: <laughs> and that wouldn't hold up in any court. Like no. It was it was just a weird like line in the sand that did not need to exist that caused yeah. a lot of problems.
2: Um, at the risk of I don't I don't I never like this podcast almost always turns into us talking about being a content creator. Yeah, you're right. Uh, um, and I I don't want anybody to ever be like, oh, I'm so tired of them talking about the whatever. Yeah, the struggles um, of
0: playing video games and shooting the shit all day. <laughs> so so I,
2: I I I so I try to I try to bring it back to. Uh, people that don't want to do it on their own. Because that's that's a question I get a lot, which is always like, how do I do it for myself? And I saw a comment in Lawrence's chat that said, uh, luck plays a, a very large part of it um, when it comes to like getting discovered and things like that. And I actually disagree with you. Um, and this is a, a phrase that I've heard often and I believe, which is, uh, you make your own luck. And by that, I mean, you work very, very hard and eventually you're in a place where You then get discovered because you're working so hard. Um, And if you consider that luck, then that's luck. But if you've been sitting there grinding for 10 years and then you just happen to, you get a fucking call from your agent that Drake wants to play Fortnite with you. Like that wasn't because Ninja was lucky. Like the dude had been doing it a long time. And Drake had probably been watching him and was like, oh, you know what? I I love to play Fortnite with this guy. Like it's just because Ninja was there. So and I'm not, by the way, I'm not trying to use Ninja as like you're the person you're aspiring to be. I'm just using him because he's one of the biggest. Um, so uh, I think for me, it's not that luck absolutely can play a part. It has not with me. <laughs> I think um, luck is just I, how, how many bowls of shit are going to be
0: served to you. Yeah. yeah. And if you, if you can't eat a single bowl of shit, then you'll have to get very lucky. But if you yeah. can eat a hundred bowls of shit, your luck doesn't need to be
1: so great. Essentially, ch- one
0: will have a golden ticket yeah. under it. You just have to keep eating a- shit.
1: <laughs> Wait, the 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 golden tickets are under the bowls. Why are we eating oh, yeah. them then? No, you have we to. You can eat just them. look check under the bowl.
0: Nope, waiter won't nope. allow it. The waiter hit. The waiter did it twenty years ago, so now you have to do it too. Who's this mysterious waiter? Who's the man?
1: <laughs> wow, he's the man. We well, all got to answer to. Then who's
0: making the bowls of shit? The chef. I. Mean, that's just. A- the-
2: the People get backed up sometimes. Yeah, there That's you go, the shadow yeah. man. Yeah,
1: the, the executive. Yeah, there's there's yeah. tears of of men. I got.
2: I have somebody in my chat that says luck is involved with everything. That's BS. <laughs> All right, super average. You got it. You, you're right. That I my 20 know. years I, of I don't necessarily completely agree with that. <laughs> Bruce.
1: I I do think there there is luck in in things. Um, I sure, agree well, sure. yeah. with the idea of you know, I, I like I think honestly the way that Lawrence put it I is perfect like you've got a the you. more uh endurance you have to put up with shit the more chances you have of your luck coming around sort of thing but yeah that, that's not luck. still
2: yeah i mean that that <laughs> that's part isn't shit luck. yeah that's right, that shit. part isn't
1: luck but i do think there are kind of fateful you know circumstances that can either put you in a position where there's an opportunity for more correct and and so forth so you know like, for example, being born to uh, you know a loving family or you know being privileged enough with uh like having the support of you know uh middle class oh, that's super or upper lucky. Class yeah. family yeah so there like there's a lot of things that you know i would i might take for granted when I think of the work that I've put in my life, but it is lucky in the scheme of you know uh like what other people have to go through and the, the time that I have had to explore those options now because of, you know, the lucky circumstances that I found myself in when I got started.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have those feelings, Kriken. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, no, because I didn't grow up that way. Um, mm-hmm. I was uh, like, I was very lucky that my parents like really gave a shit about me uh, that I mean, like we can go if we want to go all the way back. I was very lucky that my parents really cared and wanted to like put me through community college slash university. That oh, yeah. was great. I was very lucky uh, that didn't necessarily play into the industry I've been in now. Um, but uh, but I was very lucky that way. Um, that said, I watched my parents struggle and struggle and struggle uh, and just like just, you know, bang their heads against walls hmm. to get to where they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, I'm not saying that you have to do that either. You don't have to. Um, but everybody's got their own experience, I think, at Scenario. Uh, and so that's why, that's why I'm saying you have to make your own luck. Because I don't ever see anybody come to me and ask me, hey, how do I become a content creator? And then one month later, they're super successful. And then they're like, I did it! Like, that doesn't ever happen. It's usually somebody that comes to me is very discouraged. And they say, like, I've been doing this for four years. What do I do? Um, and, uh, yeah. you know, so usually that's, that's sort of, that's where I'm coming from there. Is that like, again, I said at the very beginning, there are outliers to this. There are people that do actually one of my favorite stories is, uh, what's his name? Um, he plays Fortnite. He was uh, a friend of achievement hunters. He came out and visited achievement hunters, uh, office. Laser so, beam? like there was. Yeah. 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 Uh, He came out to visit Chuman Hunter's office. He he was watching them make content. He was like, "I could do this," and now he's one of the biggest Fortnite creators on YouTube of all time. Um, So you could go that way too. It might happen that way. Um, So it's it could go both. Um, However, it probably won't go that way. It probably will not go that way. Yeah, Uh, you're probably gonna have to. Yeah, Lannon, who's by the way, great guy. Um, But you just may not you may not get there as soon as you want to because a lot of people a lot of people think that it's just instant gratification it's like well since i can put this stuff on the internet immediately i'll have viewers and immediately i'll have a way to and that's just not true so that's why i'm saying that kraken but if we want to go all the way back <laughs> yes i was very lucky to have parents that loved me and you know stayed together when i was a
1: kid and stuff like that yeah yeah that's that's so, all i'm talking about
0: it was privileged yeah. too we all rolled white dude in the United States, which is absolutely the, yeah. the stats on that one are pretty good.
2: Um, Very lucky. Very lucky. Turns out.
0: So yeah, if it depends on how primal you want to roll the luck all the way back. Um, yeah, that, uh, you know, not to discount your experiences, Bruce at all, but the, I think it was like five years from deciding like, I want to, I want to try to do this as a, as a job to getting to where I could actually cover my bills. And that was five years of, like, working a day job and then also putting in, like, at least four to six hours a day. Um, so that's that's about what it takes, uh, at least for me. Then again, uh, I worked with somebody who won a contest. And, um, you know, I guess impressed the right people and then instantly got a job offer. Didn't have to do any of that stuff. So it happens both ways. But then again, mm-hmm. I, I feel like the same... The same attributes that might let you skip certain steps or or rather, mm, let me think of how to say this. Being able to skip the shit eating, <laughs> it's, it's nice to do, but I feel like unless you grind your way into it, you don't have that marathon endurance. Um, and that's mm. also what's necessary. So, um, I mean, yeah. You, uh, Bruce. You brought up Ninja. Like he, he exploded, and then you know made some deals that may or may not have been very good for his notoriety and his popularity. And I think his his like sphere has kind of shrunk a little bit. I don't think that's a referendum on the quality of his con, uh, like the quality of him as an entertainer or the quality of his streams. It's just like that's kind of how life goes. Uh, it's um, I think if if you're doing what you do, and then the circumstances around you change, whether it's due to luck or just zeitgeist or whatever, and they explode you to popularity. Unless you understand how you got there and those factors are all attributable to you and your work, then that same volatility is probably going to shuffle you down the ladder eventually too. So I, th- I do think a lot of it can be thrown into luck, but over a long enough time, luck is less of a factor. It's a, you know it's almost exactly like gambling. You can hit mm-hmm. it once, but if you oh, play yeah. all day, the house is going to eventually get you. That's it's a like that's the a really good,
1: returns thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it, Lawrence. Um, I have seen a couple people say. Uh, sur- I, I, that Bruce specifically has survivorship bias, huh. and I know I know what survivorship bias is. Uh, and I'll read it. I'll read it from uh, Wiki here. Survivorship bias can lead to overly optimistic beliefs because failures are ignored, and that's actually exactly the opposite of what I am doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't tell you about all the failures. I don't come on here and tell you about all the failures that have happened in my life. Um, I don't. I mean, like there, I I have. I have a list right now in my head of 10 things that have happened in the last year that were failures of mine. Um and actually uh believe it or not luck would have played a part in those and and it didn't. <laughs> hmm. Um so those th- there's a really interesting thing there too like so just because I'm like yeah man just keep going you'll eventually succeed. I'm not telling you the things that I failed at. Um
0: Wait, recnology. Was Recnology your show, Bruce?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Technology was my show. How was and, that failure?
0: Get out of here. So, oh, sorry, so be,
2: somebody said it in chat.
0: And it just brought up a bunch of memories. So that's all.
2: No, no, yeah. No. Believe it or not, that wasn't that was not thankfully considered a major failure at the company, but it wasn't considered a success either. So it wasn't like this was the thing that made me like a content creator there. Um <laughs> But uh but there are lots of other things that I just don't say. <laughs> and that's because they're personal to me. Um they are they are things like Cracking all the stuff that you're talking about, like your upbringing, and like like Lawrence said, like you know you being a white dude and the blah blah. blah, Like that's those are all fantastic points. Um, And outside of the podcast, I could tell you the failures I've got, but I'm not going to sit here and recount them because then it'll sound like I'm I'm bitter. Mm. In reality, I'm I'm not. Um, I'm just uh, you know like I it's more of just like well I just wasn't it just wasn't the time. Is really what it boils down. Yeah.
1: I, that's a really interesting point, because I agree with you, and coming, you know, talking from experience, I am very hesitant to share all the details about failure publicly in my own life, and at the same time, I also recognize the merit of that, and I wish there was a way that we could do it without, like you said, coming across bitter or uh, defensive or, you know, whatever these... Other descriptors you would have is because, you know, the honest truth is, you know, failure is the prerequisite to success in most cases. Um, That's right. You have to fail, you have to eat shit for a while before you're in a position where you'll actually know how to deal with success and how to reach it. So, you know, I think it'd be really helpful for a lot of people to hear and learn about the things that didn't work out, you know, both for themselves that helped them process their own, you know, failures and successes but also to get a bit more context on, you know, on who they watch and, you know, that things aren't always as it seems, right? Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't really have a conclusion I guess to that thought, but just no, no. You know, echoing that I agree with your your sentiment and it's I, all good thoughts. Yeah.
2: It's all it's all really good. I I just I like that you guys are and I like, I like that we're calling attention to the things that we can look back on and be like, like Lawrence said, you know, it's like, well, we were, we got really lucky with the ticket that we punched. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and like later on in life, like I, like I said before, it's like, like I absolutely watched my parents be poor for years and years and years as they worked their way up. However, uh, they were also busting their ass to make sure that I didn't have to pay for college, which was really nice of them. And I, you know, I thank them every time, every chance I get because I'm like, man, that was what that's so great to not be in debt when you first come out of college. Um, obviously, I only, I think I did two years of university uh, and then two years of really cheap community college, but it, but it worked. It worked out well. Um, and uh, yeah, and that was because of them. So I got really lucky to get, that I had people that cared enough to do that. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that don't have that. Um, so it's, uh, I think we've all had our little, our little advantages here and there i i i would challenge other people to be to look at the advantages and disadvantages they have and then um see i don't know see if if there is a way to overcome the disadvantages you've got and if there isn't because of systemic problems then that's up to that's up to our society to fix and obviously we're i think we're working very very hard to uh to try and fix those re- only recently and even then it's like we got to do more so
0: yeah stuff moves slowly that's the hard part i would wager for like for people who uh want to break into the this sort of work i would wager the disadvantages that no one's looking at what i'm making and when it comes to like how to circumvent that woof, that's how to get above the noise uh to me to my solution was always to outlast the noise um because mm-hmm. that was and that's the thing it's personal. That endurance is the is this kind of is the personality trait I I saw in myself. And Me I was too. like, "Okay, well, I guess I just got to outrun everybody." And I eventually did that. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, when you're showing up day one with a bunch of other volunteers on a gaming blog, no one's going to know that your writing is worth money and no one else's is. You've got to actually distinguish mm-hmm. yourself somehow. Yeah, so right. th- thing with YouTube and Twitch and stuff like that, the sad thing is I don't I don't think there is. I think the time lag. Like you have to wait in line so long that the ride's going to be closed by the time you get there. Mm. <laughs> I think you, uh, if you want to get into Twitch and YouTube now, you start it, and then whatever the next generation of that is, that's when maybe you'll have the, the bank of experience and the connections and the know how and the and and you'll have identified the things about yourself that work in that medium and all of those things. That's that's when maybe it's time. But that's not a that's not a very fun thing to hear.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. None of this is fun to hear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> makes, yeah, talking about... No one wants to talk about failure. not because it's like... No one wants to be embarrassed or anything like that. It's because people just don't want to hear about it. Um, maybe, like, if you're if you're a movie connoisseur, then yeah, maybe you want to, like, listen to an audio track from the director talking about all the shots he tried that didn't work out. And then that'll give you a lot of food for thought when, I guess, you want to go shoot a film, too. But most people, they just want to see the finished movie. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll link it to something else. There were... uh I think there was a, what is it called? The play, it's the play date, something like there. There's a little handheld that has that little crank on the side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was, a, there was like a clip uh, from one of the showcases they did where one of the developers was just up there being like, I've never made a game for this before. No one has. This is all new stuff, so let's see what happens. This game may not be fun. Um, oh, yeah, I saw and, that. Yeah, yeah, and somebody called that up being like, this is awesome. Uh, and, and it'd be cool to share this so that people maybe humanize developers a bit and ditch this notion that like, people who are really good at their craft and especially good at creative craft know 100% what they're doing all the time or that artistic expression isn't a sort of like freeform thing that just sort of flows uh I feel like that that would I feel like that's kind of linked to this discussion too of like no one wants to think and and you know what it it reminds me of that that remark from J.J. Abrams about the Star Wars sequels too they're like oh it'd be good if we had a plan maybe But the prequels had a plan and people didn't like those. And also sometimes the best creative output doesn't come from having a plan. It comes Mm -hmm. from like bouncing off people and improvising as you go and dealing with constraints and all that. So a lot of the, I hate to use this word discourse around creative (laughs) output. I think it's slowly starting to understand that this is all the work of humans and not some Mm. like, Uh, elevated class of superhumans that are allowed to be streamers and influencers and music makers and directors it's all just humans working together Mm -hmm. and working hard trying to make certain ideas real that feel important um i'm you know i just watched inside as well so my mind is on a lot of these topics right now
2: oh yeah that's that's a that's a great special
1: I've been planning awesome. to watch that, but I also know it's like one of those things that I'm going to like a lot and it's going to like hit me like a truck. So I'm like, yeah, when gonna am re- I in the right mindset for this?
2: <laughs> Craig, yeah, Kraken, it's going to resonate with you
1: very strongly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've definitely felt that way about all of the bedroom stuff in the past. So,
2: yeah, it's great. It's really great. Um, I'm going to be, contrary. I
0: have, I didn't like it. Oh, <laughs> huh?
2: well, oh, oh well, before, hold on, because I want to know why you didn't like it. But before oh, you find out why oh, you tease didn't it out, like yes. it, yes. Um, <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by NordVPN. That's the reason we're doing this podcast is because NordVPN is sponsoring Talk to the Internet. So if you go to NordVPN.com slash talk to internet, you can get a two year plan of NordVPN for $3.56 a month. So that's 70% off uh, plus a month free. So it's $3.56 a month for a two year plan. Uh, NordVPN.com slash talk to internet. Uh, or you can also use the code Talk to Internet. So. Uh, I get a lot of questions as to what a VPN is. Well, you know what? I looked it up because it's kind of hard to explain in a few a few sentences. So I'll read it for you. Uh, VPN actually stands for virtual private network. Uh, it describes the opportunity to establish a protected network connection when using public networks. And what that means is your internet right now is kind of being routed through a bunch of different uh, servers throughout the country and throughout the world. Uh, and it can be sniffed out. Uh, people can pull your data if they want to, uh, if they know how to get into those networks and, uh, and take that stuff, but VPNs encrypt your internet traffic and disguise your online and, uh, identity, uh, makes it more difficult, um, to steal that data. Uh, and the encryption takes place in real time. And that's what Nord VPN does. So it's really, really simple to use. You just install it on your computer. Uh, and you literally just, it's just a one button click. You just click it and then it turns on and then you can. Uh, route it through uh, again a, a different server uh, in your country of origin or somewhere across the world. Uh, there's 5,500 servers in 59 countries that NordVPN uses. Um, it's very, it's actually much faster than you expect. A lot of VPNs uh, supposedly slow down your connection. Uh, NordVPN really doesn't. I did a couple of speed tests a while back, and it really it, might, it maybe slow down just a little bit, not very much. Um, also, six devices you can use, NordVPN, uh, Windows, Android, iOS, macOS, Linux, um, and your Android TV, which I know, I don't think even Lawrence has. No, I have a <laughs> yeah. Shield TV, which runs on Android. That's pretty close. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> um, there's a, and if this is kind of for the more technico- technologically savvy people. Um, there's an automatic kill switch. So if the VPN connection accidentally drops, it blocks the device from accessing the web. Uh, there's a double vpn so for extra protection users can route their traffic through two vpn servers doubling the encryption and then Nordlinks, which is uh their vpn tunneling solution that uh, actually speeds up the connection uh, more so than a standard vpn you can also use a vpn if you want to watch uh region lock stuff like on netflix sometimes netflix will region lock things if you're watching netflix in the uk versus the us uh if you use your vpn if you go through a different server in the UK, it'll think you're in the UK, you can watch Netflix uh, from the UK. Um, and uh, that's what you do with uh, NordVPN. Uh, again, it's super simple, easy to use. And if you wanna use our code, talk to internet, you can go to nordvpn.com slash talk to internet. Uh, I have links popping up in my chat. I think Lawrence probably also has links popping up in his chat mm-hmm. uh, for NordVPN, if you wanna click it. Uh, $3.56 a month for a two year plan, 70% off plus a month free. Thanks again, NordVPN, for sponsoring the podcast. We appreciate it. Thanks, Nord.
0: Thanks, Thanks. Nord. Thanks,
2: Nord? Um, all right, Lawrence, tell us why you didn't like Bo Burnham's Inside, and I I absolutely want to hear it because I'm not I wasn't like super hot on it either. I don't I'm not gonna poo poo you at all.
0: Okay. Um No spoilers
2: me... though, because I'm gonna watch it.
0: Okay, no spoilers. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, Shucks, I I feel I feel bad then voicing a negative opinion because I don't want to I, I guess I guess uh, maybe I'm assuming too much and thinking that my opinion would would hold iron sway over over. Oh yeah, and no, I
1: don't give a shit what you think, Lawrence. So go ahead.
0: Also, <laughs> real real quick, could, Kraken, could you please teach me your ways? Because I think one of the reasons that I reacted to it was seeing everyone on the internet gush about it.
1: Um, my ways? Why am I responsible? You're, for
0: that? No, you're you're not. That's that's the beautiful thing. I want you to teach me to not. Just like to just to have people's statements about things just bounce off my brain and not even land there at all. Because um, mm. I wish yeah. I had come to it with a completely blank slate. Because um, then I, I may not have been disappointed is the word I would use. Again, based entirely off of what people were saying about it. But all right. So here's the here's the core of my issue with
1: it. And, okay, I'm going to deafen so okay. that I am a blank slate. I am maintained pure. Wow. Okay. And I like this. I'll undeafen once you tell me that you're done talking about it. Okay. We'll wait for live editing on the podcast itself. We'll do this to you. Okay. All right. I'll I'll see you guys when it's all over. (laughs) Goodbye. Okay. Bye bye.
0: All right. Oh, I can even see an icon. Great. Okay. Um, My my, my, my first thing was like I never laughed. It was not funny. Not once. It wasn't funny.
2: You are correct. Yes.
0: Um, My number two thing was it like m- half of it was just a series of observations about white culture and to some degree that's like stand-up comedy but there weren't jokes it was just lists of things my parent put his thumb over the camera white women love pumpkins i'm like okay yeah i get it um so that's that's like number 2 i'm just like Ugh, okay the the mm-hmm. the songs are catchy enough especially for one you know writer and director it was shot super well so there's that it was beautiful um, yeah i guess my my biggest thing the thing that that again I wish that I didn't have a spike in my brain about was everyone was saying, "Oh my gosh, it made me think so much," and it really like made me process a lot of my uh, quarantine baggage. But when I watched it, it seemed bizarrely devoid of any kind of artistic statement at all. Um, near the end, uh, I could see I could see maybe Bo kind of like visualizing his feelings about being an introvert and being trapped indoors and now forced outside and the irony of that and all that stuff. And yeah. like in the last five minutes, I was like, this is starting to go somewhere, but then it, it didn't. Um, a lot of the songs just cut off because like a lot of, I think, new internet comedians, none of the bits were finished or had a punchline. They just sort of stopped. It reminded me of all the YouTube edits where somebody, because they don't know how to end, just screams into the microphone and then, the, and then it cuts. So mm. it, it, kind of re, it kind of, maybe that's what comedy is now. Maybe it's just a series of non sequiturs and lefts and rights and, and trite observations about the world. But to me, I don't know, I, I did not gain any new understanding or like, I didn't even get much of a personal and artistic message from the creator. Um, instead, I, it just seemed like a series of like, social media bits that were kind of smashed together Um, there were significant stretches of it that I thought should have just gotten deleted. Like, just take it out. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't say anything. It's just kind of there. So, yeah, that's, um, that, that, if I would just seen it on its own, I, I would have been like, well, that was a fun experiment. But to have, like, to see so many people be like, oh my gosh, this is the defining piece of art from quarantine. I don't know. To me, it's just... 't I I I don't uh
2: I don't disagree on a lot of a lot of your points um I uh should I should I wave for kraken in now? do you think it's uh no I think it'll probably spoil it okay um I, I was gonna say I, I think that he there were a lot of points that he wanted that he was trying to make by just raising awareness so um there were a lot of jokes like you just said about him being white and about how you know uh we weren't addressing uh, the, the right issues. Um, but, and again, it's not his job as a comedian to give solutions, but he didn't give any solutions. And so he, there was never, there was never even a hint of it. It was just sort of like, here are all the problems. And he addressed it in the
0: most sanitary way. It, yeah. It was lists of things that no one could really have a problem with, but along that line, it was lists of things that said nothing of merit
2: um, to me. And and I I think... The point of that, because I was trying to think of it and I was like, I look, I know he's not going to give me a bunch of solutions on how to fix these things in his hour and a half comedy special. So I think he was just sort of raising the awareness and trying to hit us with the uh, these are all problems. Think about them um, lesson. So I gave him that credit uh, there. But in the intro, uh. he
0: explicitly said the world doesn't need more problems; it needs comedy. <laughs> and then all he did was just wallow in the negativity of of quarantine. There that's was true. very little joy or or that's comedy. <laughs> it, I don't know. It it it's the Bo Burnham thing where it's like if you say it out loud, then that gives you permission to do it because at least you've acknowledged that you're doing it. And it's that mm-hmm. same of like this. Listen, guys, I made this in quarantine, so the edits are going to be bad, and sometimes there's going to be weird transitions, and it like cuts in the middle of a transition. Okay, that's a joke but saying that you're going to do it doesn't excuse the fact that it was a bunch of disconnected bits that didn't have any like through line like even a good stand-up set has a through line and as impressive as he is that he did it all and it's again it's well shot and fairly well edited he had a year to write it right right it's just (laughs) seems strange to me that it seemed it just seems like a if somebody did that in like three months then be like, dang. But then again, you know, it is all about like having difficulties navigating mental problems to be creative and all that stuff. So it just, I, I it think just that seems was like, the point.
2: Yeah. Is that, the I point? think that was, the, I, to me, that's, that well, I don't know. That's what it felt like to me. That was my interpretation is that he was struggling just like a lot of people were in quarantine. And I think he did a good job of communicating that struggle through his special, um, and it and it resonated with a lot of people because a lot of people were feeling that same way. Uh I don't know what that yeah. feeling is though. And and I, guess... I don't I mean, I, I worked through it, Lawrence. <laughs> I worked through the quarantine. So it's like for me, it's like, I don't really know. Hmm. I busted my ass. <laughs> you know, like um, and I had a lot of problems. I had a lot of mental health issues throughout the quarantine that uh like that I definitely have not talked about on on camera. And so I was thinking to myself, boy, it would have been great if I had been able to make a special and been able to air all that shit out that would have been awesome. <laughs> hmm. Um and again, this isn't this isn't me complaining. This is just me thinking about it from my perspective. This is the way I thought about it. So, that said, I I still think it was really really good. It was a it was a really interesting piece of art that somebody made um that I was impressed with. Uh but I I hear your complaints, definitely.
0: I guess I guess to me it seemed like it was trying to be a crowd pleaser and not a work of art while masquerading as a work of art which interesting. is interesting yeah because it, it reminded me but you know like songs that i used to listen to when i was a teenager and the lyrics would all be written so generically so that i could take them and make them about me um so when i'm like watching a song about oh my dad doesn't say much to me when we're on a phone call i'm like yeah that's everybody's dad i guess or my my when i call my mom she holds the phone too close to her face I'm like, yeah that's everyone this is a this is a pop song for white people in their 30s that went through quarantine. Um so hmm. maybe it's makes me wonder, maybe it's just demographic appeal.
2: Yeah. I uh oh, should we wait for Crackett back in? I think in? we can, yeah. <laughs> <Everybody>. <laughs> come on back. Come on back in. Uh, here's a question that doesn't really spoil the thing. Somebody said, is comedy the right medium to solve social problems? Um, I have seen comedians. Yes, do a very good job of telling a joke about a social problem and then offering a solution. George Carlin is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. George Carlin is, is very, was, was legendary for that. Uh, and that said, again, you don't have to do it. I'm just saying it, it is possible. It is yeah. a possible thing. It's my so, preferred uh,
1: medium of uh, provoking thought. Um, there you go. If I'm honest, because... I don't know. Like, if you if you get too up in arms and aggressive and serious about it, then I think it's a lot harder to change people's minds than if you um, kind of make them laugh and rethink their own, I guess, presumptions um, based on just you know humor. Humor is like the easiest way, I think, to to uh, get to someone and and have them remember it. You know.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Chappelle is another good one too. John Stewart. Um, John Stewart. Absolutely. Yeah. I Autumn okay. just said.
0: The guy's name I can't remember.
2: Autumn autumn was talking about the Stephen Colbert there we go. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, autumn said, I thought the point of this Bowenroom special was that he was just trying to be funny through the awfulness of 2020 and it was impossible because of the impossibility of all the so- uh, social environmental issues reaching a crisis point in the world. And yes, I absolutely think that that is one of the points of that special. Uh, 100%. I. I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that. It's impossible, but I do. But I understand his feeling for that. It felt impossible. If that makes sense. Hmm. Sorry. Try not. Try not to spoil it for Kraken. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. I, that's an interpretation. Hmm. Uh, Kraken, you don't have to. Uh, like. Like I said, I think you should watch it because I think you're really going to enjoy it. I think it's going to be something that if you watch in the right headspace, you'll be like, fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, just from what what I know of his previous works, I think I've agreed with a lot of his thoughts on the kind of double-edged sword of content creation and authorship. So I, for those reasons alone, I'm kind of intrigued um, in seeing it, especially if it's like about how he, he's been dealing with the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, cause figuring out how to keep, uh, like, a keep the show rolling, you know, show must go on in the face of what feels like the end of the world is, yeah. uh, is a really tricky thing. And so curious. Well, to we see were it. all,
2: all three of us were doing that.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm, that's the thing we all shared. Every entertainer in the world shares. Yeah. Um, and so we've all done it in different ways and use different coping mechanisms. I'm sure. Um, so yeah.
2: Yeah. Lawrence is really I'm I'm glad to hear somebody else talk about that because I, I thought maybe I was just because like you said, I saw a bunch of takes about it and I was like, did I did I did I miss that? <laughs> I don't know.
0: I this happens to me frequently. Um and it and it creates it creates a multitude of feelings, none of which I enjoy. Um one of which is is feeling pretentious, which I don't like. Two is, is feeling disconnected from the human experience, which I also don't like. If all these people are feeling such deep emotional resonance for me, what am I missing that I, I can't connect to that kind of thing? Three is, is uh, judgment of others, which I... Ah, it's loud. Sorry, I clicked on a video. Um, <laughs> stop it. Stop, Reddit. Oh, it won't stop. Uh, judgment of others, because I can't help that whenever somebody says that something is the best thing they've ever seen, and then I watch it, and I'm just like, gosh... Man, some people got strong words for things that are not that not that special to me, but like that that naturally flows. And then like, I don't know, I don't like any of it. I, I guess I guess most of all, what, what frustrates me is going into something ex- expecting like a humanity, and seeing very little of it, um, or or just seeing originality, or something emotional. But then again, my emotions are are finicky, and it's not fair, I think, to hold it against artists and creators for what happens inside of my weird heart.
2: Well, everybody's got a different experience too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that I don't think, I don't necessarily think that the, that's, that's a problem. If you had a different experience, you know, it's just, you just had a different experience. It's all, um, and also what we've talked about and actually what Bo Burnham talks about in the special, I won't spoil it too much, but he basically, he talks about how, uh, cause I saw somebody in my chat say, He's talking about how how he's tired of people sharing their opinions and that's what we're all doing. I mean, it's our job just so you know for the, it's a podcast. But um it's uh it's one of those things where I don't necessarily think any opinion in the middle has any traction on the internet cuz everyone's looking for likes and retweets. So it has to be either it was the worst thing in the world or i was the greatest thing i've ever seen. There's there is no middle and uh when you add a little nuance, like I try to do generally when it comes to like things that I'll tweet or whatever, it doesn't. People don't; they're just kind of like <laughs> they just they just move on. But if it's somebody saying "Bill Burnham's Inside" was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I watched it a hundred times, then everyone's like, "Wow, okay, that's a that's an opinion," and that gets the traction on the internet that they were looking for. That's the problem. That's the that's the bad reinforcement. I think that we're adding to uh the internet discourse sure yeah. well, i wish, it, wish it didn't have to be extreme that's what i've yeah. i've been doing man i i can't yeah. stand it. yeah the older
0: the older i get maybe it's not an age thing but yeah I, I just am repulsed by social media now uh or rather i should say like i'm trying my best to curate it to just be expressions of humanity and happiness because yeah the the economy of of opinion is, i'm just so tired of it i don't care what i don't care what i think about things um i care what <laughs> other people think but only if it's eh, i guess that's what keeps getting me is it, it's like it's a thing that's masquerading as another thing so it's somebody saying inside is the best and here's why um it's not, you're not really artistically appraising inside you're trying to put something on the internet that somebody else will retweet and like that's your real intention and that's your that's the reason you're there um so, I don't know. I just I see a lot of that. I don't see a lot of uh, genuine humanity, um, which is just how people are. They don't show their genuine selves to the internet or the real world that much. But, mm-hmm. man, that's that's what I want to get out of art. Um, and that's what I, I'd hoped people would want to get out of art. But that's just me, I guess. But, yeah, <laughs> Tesseract is 100% correct. I'm transitioning from social rage to only posting cute pet videos. That's about where I'm at. I use Twitter to, like, try to workshop stupid jokes or shit posts, and that's about it. Um, mostly I mean I, I used to be pretty politically active because there were there were some pretty incredible threats to just the democratic process in general but now that voting still seems to matter I backed off of that Um. so yeah in the meantime it's just man I just I just wit the thing is if it weren't for social media I probably never would have watched inside so hmm. but I don't think it enriched my life much so I don't know where I land on that it's never bad to like take in more points of view and have more things to think about
2: I don't Kraken, know when's the last when's the last time you tweeted something an extreme opinion like oh Kraken never
1: or, does I know I, yeah i'm I'm very uh uh I guess conservative in how I use Twitter um yeah. I never I mean that's the thing I actually want to get better at i I always feel weird sharing too much myself with it um mm-hmm. me too. And so, I, it usually just kind of relegates to work stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I wish I a better also, answer.
0: Yeah. Well, Yondo said uh, it, I, I, the attention economy is a farce. I don't think it actually amounts to anything unless you play
2: it all day, every day for years. I mean, I've, I've seen it a, a amount to something, amount to actual money and status for people. Absolutely. Over the course of years, one hundred percent. Yeah, it does. One hundred percent. But that's I mean, I, that's the other thing is I just
0: g- I get so sick of seeing that stuff of people just ju- like doing hopscotch. That's that's what people who are successful on social media play hopscotch every day. They jump in the right squares. They say the right thing in the right way, and that's why they're there. And and that's not why I go to social media to drop a like on somebody's very safe like social active socially active tweet or whatever. Man, whatever. I got my own <laughs> beliefs. I don't. I don't need it.
2: It's yeah. I mean, I, I think probably that's one of the reasons why I like you guys. It's because you do have nuance and the things that I see like your thoughts and feelings and stuff. Even if I, if I see them on social media, generally are pretty tame in the sense that they are like, they clearly had put some thought into them. And, uh, I was just talking with autumn about this a few days ago. How imagine, cause a lot of, a lot of the, social media influencers we see now are 20. I imagine if you were like a 20 year old, like Kraken, I don't think you were out there tweeting like every single crazy thought you had when you were 20. Nope, no, I was even more private back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I probably would have been too, but all the things that I was thinking and feeling when I was like 18 or 20, and then I'm putting them on the internet, no way. That's crazy. <laughs> like, I would have, uh, that's just it. That's wild. I I think, and, and that's what a lot of people are doing nowadays. So, um, and it really does make for, uh, I guess, tr- like compelling train wrecks. Because <laughs> then you get to, you get to, you know, train wreck is you can't look away. Well, that's what this is. It's like somebody tweets something that is clearly... A really brutal take that a lot of people are going to either hate or a lot of people are going to love, and you get to see what happens. Or we'll just bite um, them in
1: the ass like a year or two from now, or four years from right. now, and and that right. you know becomes the cancellation of them, and like it's just the it's just the cycle. It's a media cycle that is unchecked because it's so accessible to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I'm not too down for that.
0: Well, Kraken, you're a living example of of somebody who doesn't need to play or even be involved with that silly game, and you're that's still true. a successful creator. That's true, that's right. I think that's yeah. You can you can like chase the numbers and try to land sponsorship deals and get get a, a grip of cash for like posting a picture of some product, and that's that's success to some people, I guess. But uh, I don't know. I much prefer people like Kraken who can can create their art in the way they want and have it express what they want they put it into the world and it finds an audience and then they're allowed to operate and continue to express themselves
1: to mm-hmm. so the the counterpoint being though as we said earlier as the noise has only increased it's harder and harder to do something like what I do day to day because yeah you know you almost need that inciting clickbait to even reach an audience for them to then stick around for you as a as a creator. And like, that's not the case for everyone. Like, um, there's actually an example that I, I've thought of fairly recently. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with, uh, I think it's Joel Haver. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's this uh, kind of like skit comedian that's been doing YouTube videos for a long time. Uh, and one day he decided to start making these little animations. Uh, that are like rotoscope styled and completely unique visually and are just, you know, a way for him to, you know, do his skits. But with an animated style, that's a lot more accessible for a lot of people. And he just started blowing up after that. And that's when I found him was when uh, it was like Mm -hmm. early in some of these animations. And I'm like, this is amazing stuff. And it went viral. And now he's, you know, well on his way to kind of being a consistent, um, like big, uh, channel. And so, um, it's cool that that's, that is the example that we've been talking about of like someone that's just been working really hard and trying a lot of different things and Mm -hmm. didn't, uh, you know, has just kind of one success out of pure consistency and, uh, experimentation and like trying something new. Um, so that is the ideal case scenario. Um, but of course there's a lot that goes into, uh, you you got to be able to like willing to teach yourself a new skill or, you know, do something kind of out of the ordinary to to stand out because you have to stand out nowadays. There's no other way to do it. I I don't know
2: his uh, background like you do, Kraken, but it sounds like he's kind of been refining his craft for years, and you know he probably would have never gotten to the thing that made him big recently if he hadn't been doing the the, the things for the last five years. Yeah, um, and that's kind of the way I I think about it is there's a there's a refining to it you very rarely your first idea isn't your best one generally
0: correct and i'm curious have you ever have you ever felt the pressure to to s- sexify your operations a little bit clickbait it up or have you Ooh. have you have you done things the way you want and just put it out into the world and then been satisfied with its uh popular appeal
1: um weirdly enough i had that thought back right before college in fact there was kind of a, a fork in the road moment for me where I was like, either I go to college and like do that for four years and try to be a game designer, or I just make, I like stick to YouTube. I'm already kind of growing at a really good pace. If I made this my full-time job, I think I could you know grow really fast. Um, and I decided to go to the college approach because you know, I, I felt that ultimately I would not be satisfied with a life of just pure content creation. Um, so basically, I opted to go into debt <laughs> for an education system, <laughs> as opposed to making uh, quite a bit of money. Um, and you know, jury's still out on whether or not that was, uh, you know, <laughs> is like the objectively right call. Um, but it did teach me a lot of things and kind of allow me to develop as a person in, in ways that I think have been helpful. Uh, and I think back then was that moment right where I could I could have gone all in on YouTube if I was going to do that. I'd be playing the trends more. I'd be like, you know, I'd be a lot more aware, I think of the content I'm putting out there as opposed to going the college approach, which was like, I like to keep my channel and my community around, but you know, it's not my, my sole focus as a, Mm -hmm. as a, um, as a person or an entertainer.
0: I'm thinking a lot about that. The difference between being a performer an entertainer and an artist because they're not all the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, mm-hmm. I can't remember why, but I was thinking about Elvis and I was like, he wasn't really a musician, but by God, was he an entertainer and a performer? Yeah. Oh damn, like the world's best, probably. Uh, but I like musicians. Uh, so it's it's always been, now that I'm mm-hmm. old, I can kind of figure out like, what about him didn't really hit for me. It's because he was performing. And there's there's like, there's art mm-hmm. in performance for sure, but it's not the soul of music. It's, I mean, it is in a way, I don't know. It, there's multiple souls of music. So uh, it's it's interesting to finally develop the language to sort of understand my own reactions to things. Yep. Oh, I, uh, <laughs> Bruce, oh, sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, but no, a lot no, of please, people please. have been asking about Battlefield, and I I want to know what you think, Bruce.
2: Oh man, we've only got ten minutes. Wait, um, don't let me interrupt if well, you had a good point banked up. No, I didn't. Lawrence, do we? Uh, <laughs> are we? Are, are we going to talk about uh, Battlefield on Inside Games, or what do you think? We can, uh, if you think there's enough to talk about, sure. I don't I wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure. I mean like I didn't want to spoil it too much. Um but uh I All right, fine. Battle you want to talk about Battlefield? I wouldn't <laughs> talk about Battlefield.
1: Did you, did you watch the trailer, Kraken? Uh I saw one scene from the trailer. Okay, so the,
2: all all it is is based the whole trailer just for, very briefly for the audio listeners is uh a bunch of Battlefield moments. So like like you're literally playing the game, but they they rendered this like full render, uh, CGI with like, you know, actual humans and shit like that. It's really cool, but it's just battlefield moments. So like one of the specific moments is there are two jets chasing each other. Somebody jumps out of a jet has a rocket launcher for some reason then shoots the rocket and blows up the other jet and then hops back into their jet, which is absolutely clearly a battlefield moment. So I think it's really cool that they've embraced battlefield moments with the trailer that said, um, it doesn't have a single player campaign, uh, they're charging $70 for it on next gen systems, not PC. Um so, I tweeted this, but if 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 multiplayer doesn't work out of the gate, if multiplayer does not work the first day that this game is out, it's going to be dead in the water. Um wow, you think so? because I I just because they they have to get multiplayer right because it's got nothing else. Um and this is what happened with Battlefield 5 is that like Battlefield Five kind of had a middling launch, and then they're like battle royale, but you had to pay for the game. I f- was Firestorm did, it, did that ever go free to play? Do we know? Does anybody know? I feel like it didn't, but I could be wrong. I don't.
0: Um, I don't think so. I don't think there to- I don't think there's ever been a free to play version of Battlefield. Does anybody? No, yeah, wait. I, there was I, Battlefield I, Heroes, right? That was um, a million
2: years ago. Sorry. Anyway, that that was way way back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if. And then they released 6 months later they released the battle royale version of Battlefield 2042 uh and it better be free to play or if it's not free like it's like EA is like just destroying this franchise that I love because I love Battlefield and I'm playing I've been playing Battlefield for the last few weeks uh I really was a big fan of Battlefield 1 I even liked Battlefield 5 like I was like sort of people were always like is this a game good and I was like yeah it's fun it's fun I enjoy it um I just really hope they not just don't fucking just release it correctly like come on it's not that hard make sure make sure the servers work <laughs> like it's that easy um that's uh that's how i feel about it cuz there's nothing there's nothing for well, you to do okay the game doesn't work thematically what
1: is the game setting because
2: 20 years in the future 2042 okay so it's
1: it's it's future it's a prequel to
0: 2142 and a sequel yeah. to 1942
1: which is cool i
2: i i think that's okay. cool um And if it's anything like Battlefield Four, which seems like it probably is, who's fighting uh, in twenty years? We don't know. It's the USA and Russia,
0: and then you, because there was like a there's like a lore entry on the website, I think. Um, I think was there? Yeah. So like the like climate change and all of the things, all the bad things we're hearing about now do happen, and then because there's (sighs) just like swarms of international refugees, there's like an entire generation that grows up refugee, and Mm -hmm. they're called like no patriots or no pats or whatever, and the players are no patriots they're just like uh i guess fodder for the you know military industrial complex of a, a hot war between russia and the usa that are like the only remaining superpowers in a like collection of loose city states now
1: i don't know it's it's funky Collection uh, of loose city states oh my god the world devolves that much in 20 years i don't know well, Countries um, cease to exist i, th- I think there are still
0: lot- nations but i think most of them don't have a whole lot
2: of, of sway anymore allow me to say these few words you're not gonna care. <laughs> and the reason because the, the, <laughs> there's, no there's no single player. You're not gonna give a fuck. Okay.
0: I mean, did anyone yeah, care they'll... about Battlefield single player ever?
2: No, no. Yeah, so why and does it need to be to, there? So yeah, so I'm totally fine with it. However, they're charging seventy dollars for it, so they're asking a lot of money for something that seemingly has less content. Um, and because uh, if they had asked sixty, we could have gone like, eh, cool, all right, sixty, no problem. Um, and if they had asked forty, everybody would have been like wait a minute, hold on a second. You're blowing my mind. Is this, the, is this Battlefield worse somehow? Um, so I know why they had to hit the 60, 70 price point, but I don't know. Lawrence, what do you think?
0: Um, hmm. I don't think I'm quite as, uh, I don't think I'm quite as, I, I guess I don't quite see the, the trajectory of EA messing with Battlefield in that regard. I think I okay. see a lot of what Activision has already done with Call of Duty and what EA is tra- trying to do. I think they're trying to extend the lifespan of this franchise being a $70 box product as long as they possibly can. And once once that sales trajectory starts to slip or plateau, then they'll start... I think they already started, you know, Firestorm was them toying around with Battle Royale, I think, um, just to see if they had the technology to run it. So, yeah, I can, I can see something similar happen with what they did with... I mean, they didn't make Call of Duty free-to-play. They made... Um, what is it? Warzone, zone free to play, yeah, S- which is weird because that is the more battlefield mode of Call of Duty. So I don't know. I I I don't necessarily. I think as long. I guess I'm happy we're still in the retail packaging part of uh of Battlefield <laughs> because if it goes free to play, that's going to change a lot of things. Um, maybe not in a bad way, but I still kind of like it this way. As far as the trailer goes, I think it was a really fun. Uh, I think I think it like Bruce, like you said, it 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 uh, captured a lot of legacy of Battlefield trailers because they're all kind of like that. Um, yeah. It, it reminded me of like, there was the GIF, I think it was from Battlefield 3, of the dude jumping out of his plane, shooting some of the rocket, getting back in it. No, wait, that was that was from one of the World War II ones, wasn't it? Wait, which one was that from? No, I think it, it was might from have been.
2: 3. Um, yeah, I thought yeah, I, I thought it was a more modern one, but I could be wrong. I think it was 3. I think you're right. Uh, or I think I think we're both right. Whatever.
0: Uh, but I remember that trailer from 4 where it had like the dudes on the ATV going to the elevator and then they got off on the top floor and drove the ATV through the building as it was falling yeah. over, and they that's drove right. off the building and base jumped out of it. I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" So there's, it did make me think of a lot of that stuff, especially when they they made the cinematic loop of the dude jumping out of the plane. I was like, "Ah, oh, that's cute," and that's to me that's an intersection of them observing the player base uh, and then uh, kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like it whenever game moments get that treatment, whenever they're blown up into a giant yeah. cinematic mm-hmm. thing. The Left 4 Dead trailer reminded me of that, how everything in that oh, trailer right. is a game mechanic, but it's just yeah. it's just well shot and well oh. framed. So huh. I thought it was cute. I thought it was a nice little nod to the community. I thought it was a fun way to sort of make the statement that the community is the game. Or it's the it's the moments in the match that make the that make the game, not the story about yeah. uh, world powers or anything like that. And, you know, they're doing it in a typical marketing fashion where the franchise is big enough that they can bust it up into chunks and sprinkle it out over several months. So cinematic reveal and then they'll have the gameplay reveal and then in the gameplay reveal they'll tease the reveal of the next mode that'll happen a month from now. And then they'll have <laughs> like a, a teaser event for that event where you'll see like 30 seconds of gameplay and then there will be a full thing with influencers. I don't know if we're at influencer territory yet because of COVID, but. We're just kind of in the in the swarm now, I guess.
2: Uh, I can't I can't wait. I'm I'm gonna play the shit out of this game up until nobody wants to watch it. So like when people on Twitch don't want to watch it anymore, I'll be like, all right, um, I'll stop. But I love Battlefield, and uh, that's why I like. And people, I, I saw people talking about like they're like, well, you're playing Battlefield 4 now. Like clearly, it's got a legacy. Battlefield 4 launched it, one of the worst launches I can ever remember. Yeah, the first four weeks of that it was game were bad. fucked up. It was real yeah. bad. And
0: like you would be like on a was, squad with somebody and it would put you on different
2: teams. If you oh, even got into the terrible. same server, yeah, it was, it was awful. So, so the problem is, is that EA, it shouldn't be that EA makes a good game, but then you have to play it six years later for it to be good. That should not <laughs> be a real thing. Like We all know there's going to be a million people on the servers at launch. Buy a lot of fucking servers. How hard is this? <laughs> like, I don't understand so just do it
0: (laughs) yeah all i can figure is it's a cost thing if you have like
2: yeah yeah, hundred
0: thousand servers sitting by and only five of them get used that could put that could change your game from being profitable at launch to not being profitable and could influence your ability to like finance future con i don't know i'm i'm being very apologist because i it does feel like by now multiplayer launches should be mostly figured out but I've never done one, but they never so are. I'm not, I'm not yeah. a network engineer and I know the inter- internet yeah. is just, a, no, I know. it's a jungle.
2: So that's, I, I, I'll i harken all the way back to our conversation earlier. That's why you work for a large company. That's why you have EA, yeah. which is a billion dollar company. EA's got, they have the money to throw at a bunch of servers for your first month. And you know, like do a do a massive stress test. I've heard that they're actually going to be doing alphas and betas in the next few like months soon, which is good. Um, so hopefully they do that, hopefully they get a bunch of stress tests going on, because if the game launches poorly, as is the case with most Battlefields, it's not going to do well. Um, and that's I, I it's sad, sad to say for Battlefield, it really is. Um, but uh, I don't want to see it fail. I, I want to see it succeed.
0: Well, we don't, um, E3 hasn't really happened yet, so we don't have a good sense of it, but there's really no shooter coming out. We don't know of any shooters coming out this fall, aside from Battlefield, right? COD, doesn't, right? Doesn't seem like there's going to be a COD this year. What? No new COD? That's what I... I mean, I saw I saw some some murmurs and bits, uh, just mostly on Twitter, I think, of people Oh, thinking, Halo. Oh, sure. Yeah, Halo Infinite. Yep. I mean, Halo in, Halo, out of all the games is the one that could probably compete the most with Battlefield because it has, like, yeah. planes and vehicles and stuff, and you're kind of used to that in the Halo setting. Gosh. Yeah. That's... I mean, imagine, a, imagine a, a Halo Infinite match where it's on a ring and you're like trying to fight for the entire ring, you can get a plane and like fly across the ring. Imagine it. Somebody imagine it. I am, I am. It's Kri- cool, I, Kriken,
2: right? Kriken, you're not a, like an
1: FPS person generally speaking. Like what um, would- I haven't been for a while. I, I played yeah. a fair bit of COD Modern Warfare when that came out. I played a lot of Halo when that came out, or Halo 3 specifically. Um, but I'm not like a super competitive gamer, so I don't really gravitate to these games mostly. Um, however, I've been playing Chivalry recently, which is technically a first-person slasher. <laughs> it um, is, <laughs> and slasher. that has been a lot of fun. Game so, rules. Yeah,
2: I had a lot of fun it's, with it too. Uh, it's fun. It's it is uh it is really fun.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know.
2: I just hope that I just want to see. I want to see everybody. I want to see Kraken play Battlefield. That's what I want to see. <laughs> I, I I'll see play easy. with
1: you, man. It, like, no, yeah, I think I the way you, I you, play I Battlefield you. is very, uh, like, um fuck around and see what happens sort of thing like you know we try to do weird shit i think the last i made i made videos of battlefield early in my youtube career and we would do shit like you know yeah basically as the trailer described like do a flip jump out try to catch them with someone else's like you know jet (laughs) right uh, or like you know stage the most like cinematic dramatic interactions possible with all of our friends um so mm. that's that. That's that's really fun. There's a lot of great stories that come from that game. So I think I'll I'll try it.
2: I just I just hope it it catches people like Kraken. Basically, it's kind of like the people that are like on the on the outside of that. Because I know I like I said I know I'm gonna play it, but I want it to succeed. So
1: okay, well maybe you'll convince me before then.
2: I, I whoa well, hold on.
1: <laughs> I haven't even seen. I oh, I haven't, oh, seen, oh. A, I
2: haven't <laughs> seen the gameplay yet. <laughs>
1: Seventy U.S. dollars, Kraken. All right. Need it <laughs> on my desk
0: in the morning. <laughs> yeah how do you feel about the msrp of games creeping up
1: the what the oh. manufacturer <laughs> suggested
0: retail price yeah it uh, seems like every company's trying to tiptoe it up to 70 for this gen release yeah
1: i'm not surprised i mean that's pretty standard right i mean mm-hmm. th- i'm thinking back to when i was a kid it was 40 um wait what yeah
0: where were you a kid
1: I think so <laughs> uh, I think- i'm thinking yeah it was 40 Damn, they were fifty where I was. Like GameCube, GameCube games were like forty. Oh, they were they were forty dollars. Really? I think so. It's been sixty for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, fifty was. It was like,
0: like three sixty ps. It was Gen Seven when games went up to sixty, and in United States, of course. But
1: you were never forty. All right, then I guess fifty. But I feel like I remember forty games. Maybe. I was only able to get games that were like a couple months old as a kid. So I, I never got the, the first release.
2: Yeah, the launch. Yeah. Well, like back when they're fucking, they're like 90 on Nintendo way, way back. Um, oh, really? Yeah, that was like, and so that made it even even harder if you were a kid and you were asking your parents or something like that, you know, $300 for a system and then $90 yeah. for a game.
0: All the bomb-ass RPGs cost like 80 bucks. Chrono Trigger cost a ton because they just didn't make yeah. many copies of them.
2: It's crazy, and also it was well. better. <laughs> well, guys, we made it. We made, we made it. it to the end of the podcast. We, we had we had actually a lot more to talk about, but we just didn't uh, we didn't get to it. Teaser
0: for next That's time,
2: it. Talking yeah. Heads. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah.
2: Um. Well, we did it. I I, I would assume in the, in the next few weeks we'll do another podcast probably in uh, let's say three to four weeks. We've been spacing these out a little more. I know people have been asking.
1: So, yep. Um, and we'll talk about E three. We'll oh, talk yeah. about Lawrence. This guy. We'll talk about Bruce and Kraken. and me, and wow. you. I gotta catch the next one.
0: <laughs> I gotta gas <guess> you <laughs> up, Bruce. You're the official Twitch Gaming E3 host, right?
2: That's right. I'm hosting. You are? I'm hosting what? E3 with along How do with. How did you uh, not know about this? I I, I yeah, uh, like a, a cup of noodle and I are hosting the. Uh, the Twitch Gaming E3 show on Saturday and Sunday. And oh, I'm, my God. I'm going to be there. Very, I'm, gonna, I'm very excited about I'm it. I'm going to
1: make you giggle on camera.
2: All right? I mean, probably that's you will. I, p- part of my, I think most of my job is actually looking at chat and, like, talking to chat, which okay. is great. That's what I do it anyway, so. <laughs>
1: that's going to be great.
0: <laughs> yeah, make sure to catch Bruce. It's, uh, it's just Twitch TV slash Twitch Gaming. Is that where it is? P-
2: probably. I don't know the channel yet, Lawrence, but I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. blindsided you a bit.
0: But also, uh, Bruce and I are going to hang out a bit on what Sunday? At, wait, Monday and Tuesday? Monday, Tuesday, yeah, yeah. We're going to watch the conferences then and just shoot the shit, crush some brews, and look at some games. Kraken, do you want to
2: do that with us? Do you want to come over and get drunk?
1: Yeah. Uh, what time is it?
2: They're, the times vary on Monday, Tuesday. It's like Monday, and Tuesday. Like they're t- all kind of throughout the day because they're like those conferences
1: are spaced out. I, I, Lawrence would know better than I would, but mm, yeah, I they're all down, kind of actually. spaced out. If they're if they're all one day, then. Yeah, mm. I I usually do reaction stream stuff anyway, but doing it in person sounds even more fun. So
2: we could restream it to all three channels.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm gonna be getting real okay. drunk cracking. Be war be warned. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. <laughs> are we gonna come up with the drinking game? Because this yeah, one's fun. I've I've learn got some this. ideas. Okay. Yeah, I'll some... I'll do some thinking too. It's yep.
0: tough because the conferences this year are gonna be a bit different. So I don't know. there's some that I'm like might be a little too much. Like any mention of COVID or of these times? Um, these I don't times. know. Yeah. These Ooh, like un- oh, I like, like that these one, blank times. Uncertain.
1: These trying. strange times. Yeah. These volatile. Unprecedented times. These. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So
0: that there's that. It was like, these are just, I'm just workshopping so far. So world premiere. Ah, uh, that doesn't happen that often unless it's Jeff Keighley's show. Um, the other one I thought is any any sizzle reel that's not about a game. Yeah. Um, So, like, if it's just a bunch of multicultural people at, like, cubicles scribbling, which it's an image that's been showing up at E3 more and more, which is not a bad thing, but I'm just trying to look for the trends. Like, I I like identifying what makes 2021 E3, 2021 E3. So, anyway, that's kind of where my head's at. Anyway.
1: uh, Yeah, I'm excited because I'm going to get. I mean, I'm down. That does sound like fun. So, keep me updated. I'll see if I can be there. Um, These totally uh, lit times. (laughs) Totally lit.
2: We'll text you because, like I said, it's like they kind of just the times vary throughout the day. You you probably drop by and come in for one or something if you wanted to.
1: Cool.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, that'll do it for the podcast. Thank you all, and since I control the switcher, I'm going to be the one to say, "Have a good day, everyone."
1: Weird sign off. (laughs) I I didn't think about it ahead of time. Very forceful. Yeah, (laughs) they have to now though.